Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. Let me just say this. It is nothing against the fifth and sixth graders, but I know so many more of you. This feels like a family reunion, and I love it because I know you people. It's the best. Well, my name is Maggie, in case I don't know you, because some of you I don't know. I've never seen you before. Hello. Good to see you. My name is Maggie. I am so excited to be here with you. There's a couple things you need to know about me. I am on staff here at Christ Church, and I love it. I could not have picked a more perfect job. It is one of the favorite things I get to do in my whole entire life. I work with the best people. I get to serve the best people. It's amazing. I love it. The other thing you need to know about me that's very important is that I am from Texas. Yes, I know. It's the best. I love it. If you're from Texas... You love Texas. Yes. And you are proud that you are from Texas. So I just let me make a little confession. It's true. That is true. Let me make a little confession. So I was in Texas a couple weeks ago. If you haven't noticed, I am pregnant. I'm not just didn't eat Taco Bell for dinner. I am pregnant. And so a few weeks ago, I was in Texas, and just like a little bitty, little bitty tiny part of me said a little bitty tiny prayer that I would go into labor on Texas soil so that my baby could be born in Texas. Don't tell my doctor that. But just a little part of me wanted to go into labor so that I could have the baby on Texas soil. So that's how much I love Texas. This is how crazy my family is and how much my family loves Texas. My mom has decided, this is crazy, that when she comes to Joplin, Missouri for the birth of my son, she is bringing Texas soil and she is putting it under the hospital bed in the delivery room so that her grandson will be born in no state other than Texas, the Lone Star State, on Texas soil. That is crazy. This is how much people from Texas love Texas. Anyway, I, that's enough about me. I want to talk about what we're here to talk about tonight. Raise your hand if you remember what the series name, the series that we're in all semester, if you remember what it is, KK. It's family portrait. We are talking about family. I remember growing up, like, I love my family, but my family is crazy. So I remember when I was going to church when I was younger, and they would say, welcome to church. We're like one big happy family. We're your family. And I was like, oh, no, no. I don't want another one. I have one, and they're crazy. So I would be like, oh, that's great. You want to be my family, but please, like, can we be friends instead? Because I love my family. They're just crazy. One of my grandmothers is like legitimately like something not right up there. So my mom called me the other day and she was like, you will never believe what your grandmother did. We were out to lunch and my grandmother decided that this sweet, precious woman at the table next to them was evil. And so she starts going to this woman. And my mom is like, what are you doing? Stop. And 
and she was like, that woman has evil in her and it needs to be cast out right now. And my mom was like, oh my gosh, woman, you're crazy. So one of my grandfathers is awesome, love him, he's a genius. He has his PhD in biochemical something from Harvard, so he's kind of a smart guy. But seriously, like the most disgusting eater I've ever seen in my life. When I was in Texas a couple weeks ago, my mom was like, we're going to lunch with grandpa. And I was like, oh, kill me now, because this is gonna be terrible. It's like a whole mess of like spit and snot and food, and it's just all happening all at once. It is disgusting. So I love my family. Don't get me wrong, I love my family. But when people are like, the church, the kingdom of God is your family, I'm like, no, no, no more, please, please don't do that. So we are studying about being uh, the family, what it means for us to be the family. These first few weeks, though, of this series, we're in kind of like a subcategory called embracing the gospel. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the word gospel before. You know what that is? You've at least heard it. Let's talk about what the gospel is, because we can't really embrace the gospel unless we know what it is. So the gospel is pretty simple. Let's, let's think back to creation, the creation story. Let's think about how perfect everything was when God created it, right? Just absolutely beautiful, perfect. There were people, there were animals, there was the garden. It was just perfect. And then what happened? Sin happened. Adam and Eve sin, sin entered the world, and there became separation between us and God. So the gospel is the story of how God is bringing us back to him. Because in the garden, in the very beginning, we were separated from him because of sin. So let's think about it with these chairs here. This chair here, this is a very very, yes, very comfy. This is a very dad-like chair. Anybody have like a dad chair in your house? It's like, oh, you cannot sit there because that chair is not for you. That chair is for dad. This is a very dad chair. So let's imagine that this chair is our God chair. And before sin happened, this is us in our, the child chair because we are his child, this precious little rocking chair. So we are together. Before sin happens, we are in this great relationship. It's dad, it's us, it's God, it's his people. We're all hanging out together. Everything's wonderful. And then sin enters, and there is separation between us and God. There's this whole distance between us and God. So the gospel is God bridging that gap bringing us back to himself. So when we say embracing the gospel, that's what I want you to picture tonight, is this separation is the gospel is God bringing that, he's closing that gap and bringing us back to himself. That's what the gospel is, okay? So throughout scripture, Paul, especially Paul, uses all these different like mental pictures and things like word pictures to explain the gospel and God bringing us back to himself. And I love it because I'm a very visual person and I need to see that. He says things like, we were once in darkness, but then we were brought into light. And that's the gospel, us coming back to him. Or he says things like, we were once far off, 
but we were made near. Or things like we were once strangers, but now we are in relationship with each other. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me that we know what gospel is? Because we are going to be all kinds of out of luck if we don't understand what gospel is. Okay, deal, got it. So, Paul uses all of these illustrations, but my favorite, favorite, favorite one that he uses is when he talks about adoption to tell the story of the gospel. I think it's so beautiful. So think for a second with me. We all know what adoption is. We've heard of adoption. Maybe you know somebody that's adopted. Maybe you're adopted. You know somebody that is adopting, something like that. We all are familiar with adoption. There's a lot of different kinds of adoption. It looks a lot different. Some people, maybe there's someone who has a baby and who says, I I just can't do it. I can't take care of this child. I don't have the resources or the funds or the emotional stability or something. And so they give that child to someone to adopt and to raise as their own. Or maybe it's a situation where maybe a parent dies. And so someone else in the family or a friend adopts that child and then raises that child. Or maybe it's like what happens a lot of times in international adoption is that um, there is a baby or a child who is abandoned, who is left somewhere, maybe like at a hospital or maybe on a street corner, and they enter an orphanage and then they're able to be adopted and to be raised by this other family. Or maybe it's like a foster care system. Maybe there's a parent who just makes a really bad choice and that child is taken away from them and then they are adopted by someone else. So... We see a lot of different examples of adoption, but they all have one thing in common. The common theme in all of these different kinds of adoption are that we have a child who was alone and who was separated, but then they are brought into a family and they are made a part of that family. So that's what adoption looks like when we compare it to the gospel. When Jesus entered the picture, when he died, when he was raised from the dead, that allows us to bridge this gap here. If we look at this picture of of the gospel through the lens of adoption, then this is us, the child, who is an orphan, and this is God, the Father, who is seeking after that child and making that child his own. That's what adoption looks like in the gospel. The death and resurrection of Jesus is what allows this space to become no more. It's what takes us from being an orphan to being a son or a daughter. Paul says this in Romans 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So here's what Paul is saying here, that if we are led by the Spirit, 
if we are led by the Spirit, we are made sons and daughters of God. One thing that I absolutely love is at the end of this when he starts talking about heirs, when he says, if we are children, then we are heirs. When you think about what an heir is, what, what do you think of? Like an heir to a throne or something? What do you think of, Libby? Um, like an heir to like oh, that is, that is a different word, but I see where you're coming from. That is error, but that is close. I forgive your error. See what I did there? So when we're talking about heir, yes, what is it? It's like next in line. It's like you, it's like the heir to the throne or heir. I mean, it's good. It's not that impressive. It's just like, okay. So when you are an heir, like an heir to a fortune, that means that like a lot of times it's your parent or your grandparent. If you're the heir to that fortune, it means that you get Whatever your father has, whatever your father has to offer, it becomes yours. So when Paul says that we are children of God, then we are heirs of God. That means that whatever our father, God, has to offer, it is then given to us. That means that the protection that God has, it's given to us. The comfort that God has, it's given to us. The compassion, the love, the grace, the mercy, all of those things are given to us because we are heirs. We receive those things because we have been made his children through adoption because of Jesus. I love that Paul uses adoption to explain the gospel. I love it because it's this beautiful picture of us as abandoned orphans with no hope and no future, being so far from a family. But because of Christ, we are brought near and we are made sons and daughters. So I have a sister named Lily. I've talked about her a lot. Some of you have heard about her. Lily was born in China. And when she was about, we honestly, we really don't know. The orphanage said that when she came to them, she was three months old. But you had to be three months old to be entered into the orphanage system. And so they probably just said she was three months old. She's probably younger than that. So when she was probably a few weeks old, her birth parents, for one reason or another, probably because of some laws and stuff that was going on in China, took her, put her in a basket, put a blanket over her, took her to a street corner in the middle of the night and left her there. Listen, okay, there's a lot going on in China at this time. They probably had very little choice other than that. So let's not, you know, like hate on the birth parents or anything. So they leave her here as an infant, as a baby. Lily, at this point in time, becomes an orphan. She has been separated from all things family, from all things hope, from all things love, and she's on her own, apart from a family. So she enters an orphanage, and she's one of like a hundred in these rows of cribs. She's given a name. Her name is Yangxing Shu. That's the name that the orphanage gave her. Here's something crazy that happens in China. When you become an orphan in China, 
A lot of times they don't give you like a cute name or a girly name or some fun name. They give you a name that means this child is a ward of the state. This child doesn't have a family, and so really all this child has is the government to take care of it because nothing says love an infant like, hey, here, you're the name of the government. So her name is Yang Xing Shu. Okay, so a year and a half goes by. My parents, God leads them to adopt. They fly across the ocean. They meet Lily. They pick her up. They love her so much. They decide, they begin the adoption process, and they go to their court hearing where this becomes official, where they say, this child is officially yours. This child is now a child of parents, not a child of the state, not a child of the government. This is a child with a family. And the thing I love about this story is that they say to my dad, they say, do you want to keep her name Yang Xing Shu? And my dad says, Absolutely not. Her name is now no longer child of the state. Her name is going to be Lily Blankenship. Because Lily is the name that my mom picked out years and years ago to give to the child that she wanted so desperately to be a part of her family. And my dad says, and her last name? is going to be Blankenship because that's my last name. And because she will no longer be seen as a child of the state, she's going to be seen as a child of the father. So in that moment, she went from Yang Xing Shu, the orphan, to being Lily Blankenship, the daughter. It's because of Jesus that this is now possible, that this relationship is healed and that we are brought near to the Father. It's because of Jesus that the gospel can happen. It's because of Jesus that we go from being orphans and alone and abandoned and on our own to being children of the creator of the universe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a God that, that protects and loves, and most of all, for being a God that is our father. We thank you for taking us from being orphans to being your children, your sons and daughters. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.